I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness Episode 71. Today, we talk to Jack Maxwell about his amazing travels around the globe with a drink in one hand and a story in the other. Get ready to raise your glass to another life-changing episode. This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Life-Changing Wellness. Before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me, and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Well, my guest today is Jack Maxwell, and for the last four years, he has been the host of one of Travel Channel's most successful shows, Booze Traveler where he ventured the globe to not only get a taste of the country's alcohol, but to quench his curiosity about what people drink, why they drink it, and the stories they tell when they do. For over 60 long, or I should say over 60 hour-long episodes, he connected with locals, immersed himself in regional activities, learned about the country's unique relationship with liquor, and sometimes even participated in the alcohol-making process. Jack has also co-hosted the Travel Channel's The Trip 2016, which showcased the distinct cultures, foods, and luxuries of five Caribbean islands. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome none other than the booze traveler himself, Jack Maxwell. Welcome to the show. Wow, thanks. That's a a pretty nice introduction. Nice to be here, Dr. Bond. Well, it's great to have you. I mean, you have literally traveled, I guess the last count, what, 60 countries six continents uh any any is there a common thread that you have found uh within all of your travels actually you know it's funny when you're going around the world you expect to see a lot of differences because you know there'll be people of different colors different uh ethnicities different religions different politics certainly different geographic regions so you you think that's people are going to be almost alien-esque when you go to far reaches like tanzania or mongolia and of course we have differences, but the thing I found is we have so much more in common than we do differences. And it was wonderful to be able to share, for instance, a sense of humor with people, even if they didn't speak um, English or I didn't speak their language, which was most usually the case. Everyone loved to laugh, even physical humor, when we couldn't understand each other, when the interpreter wasn't in front of us being able to translate. We still joked around with each other in funny ways. And I I just love that everyone loves to laugh and everyone or most everyone loves to take the edge off at the end of a long day with a couple of cocktails. Now, it doesn't have to be that way, but I've found that just about every civilization on Earth has made alcohol out of something. And there's got to be a reason for that, right? Oh, yeah. They all want to connect with their god of gods, their ancestors, their family. And and it was just beautiful to find out that we're, we're humans first before anything else. Yeah, you know, I remember my first trip. I think it was back in 2000. I remember my first trip to Ireland. And, you know, we spent a lot of times in the pubs. And what struck me very strange was that in America, you know, we think of the the pub as being a place where everybody basically gets, you know, drunk, a lot of drunken Irishmen and things of that sort. And it wasn't. It was It was a meeting place of families and you know, we would stay in these pubs till 2 or 3 a.m., and it was just everybody telling stories. You know, if you were 
having a lager or, or a beer or you had some Irish whiskey. Everybody was just having a good time. And it was just, you know, it was just like you said, it, you know, everybody's laughing. Everybody's having fun at the end of the day. And, uh, and that's what it's all about. And I was really surprised that it wasn't everybody getting drunk. It was just everybody just enjoying everyone's company and telling stories. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, we're not promoting excess at all. But I've found around the world that if you have a couple of cocktails with someone, you know, a drink and whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Everything from beer and wine to liquor to the strangest things on earth that I've had. Uh, everyone likes to uh, bond. And, and when you do that over a drink, it's like a big liquid hug. You sit down with someone over a drink. You agree to do that. It instantly lowers your uh, defenses and, and puts you closer uh, to the other person you're sitting across from. I just think that's a beautiful thing. It is. What is the strangest drink you ever had? Oh, wow, that's a good question. There's a handful of them. Uh, <laughs> I'll throw them out there, and, I, and I'll let you pick, because everybody has a different answer. I had uh, Spick Beer in the Amazon with a, uh, a local uh, <clears throat> tribe who was uh, deep, in the, deep in the jungle. We found them, and they took us in for the day, my crew and I. And uh, the, the ladies of the tribe all get together, and they chew up this potato-like root, and they spit it out, and then it ferments over a couple of days or up to a week. And luckily, or not, they had some already fermenting. So I, I, I took uh, part in that process. As you said in the introduction, sometimes I, I take part in that in that process. And I did here. So I chew up this thing. We all spit into this bowl. And it's so funny. And they're teaching me how to spit. But then we drink the stuff that they did a week ago. And so spit beer is one of them. Another one might be frog in a blender. I don't know what they really call it. But the market <laughs> in Peru, you pick out your own frog. And they skin it right in front of you, put it in a blender with tree root and moonshine, a couple other things. And then zoom, they zip it up. And the frog uh, obviously is about to disintegrates. And then you drink it. And that's supposed to be good for your lungs if you drink 11 in a row, uh, 11 days in a row. And then there was cow blood out of the neck of a cow in Tanzania with Maasai warriors. They, they take blood right from his neck and they mix it with honey wine. So those three are pretty strange, I'd say. What is the worst one to you? Which one would you I, drink last? The thing I would probably do the one with the blood, but the other two, I'm thinking that I would probably try the frog before I tried the spit beer. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone has a different answer. It's so fun. <laughs> so the spit beer is, is the grossest one to you all. Yeah, well, there yeah, because they're. It, it reminds me of the people in the South Pacific when they when they create their kava drink and they're doing the same thing. They're chewing it up and they're spitting it out to create the kava drink that everybody's going to sit around the campfire and share. So I'm thinking, oh, that's like drinking somebody else's spit. And I'm thinking, I'll take the frog. <laughs> well, now, at least with the spit there, when you're drinking yeah. it, you don't have to worry about backwash. Well, yeah, that's true, especially after it's been fermented, so maybe all the bad things are gone. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, what, is your, what is your favorite drink, by the way? I'm a cocktails guy. I really appreciate the art of mixology. Because to me, it's just a, a perfect blend of science and art. So, you, you know, you have to measure things and put in certain ingredients, but it's so creative. 
Now it's of course limited to the liquids or the, the fruits or the herbs you have. Um, but I, I just love that people care enough to keep creating these wonderful drinks. And then of course, how they taste and what they do for you, uh, in, in different amounts. I just think that's wonderful. Nothing wrong with beer or wine. Uh, I enjoy that too. Uh, but I like, I like spirits in a cocktail, generally speaking. Yeah, I've never been a beer person at all. I just it it never appear it never appealed to me at all. Uh, wine is okay every now and then, but uh, you know, a good tequila or a good rum, it's just kind of hard to pass up. I agree with that. <laughs> good for the soul. Well, in all of your travels around the world, yeah, with all of your travels around the world, um, did you ever have a uh, almost a death experience in any of your travels? Actually, I did. Uh, probably more than one, but I'll just give you one. I was in Hong Kong, and there was a woman who puts different animals, etc., into uh, liquor and lets them, I, I guess the term would be macerate, over years. For instance, there was one that um, she put in there. There was a, uh, a liquor with uh, a snake in it. And, and then that's, that snake stays there for years, and then you drink it. And uh, it's a cobra, right? And yeah. that's very strange to me. So um, I guess, uh, unless you like a nice cobra sauvignon, I suppose. <laughs> but she pulls out live cobras and is handing one to me. And I'm looking at my film crew for a nod or something saying, yes, we already spoke to this lady. She took the fangs out of the cobras, and she's going to hand you one. <laughs> no one's saying anything. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying, well, it would be good television if I grabbed the cobra from her and let it slither around me. But maybe it's not if I die. So at the last second, I said, no, thank you. That's okay. And then I spoke to my crew afterwards, and I said, yeah, that was a real cobra with fangs. And um, I'm glad I'm glad you didn't take it because she's been bit three or four times. What? So she shows me photos <laughs> of cobras that bit her, and one her hand is swollen up like a balloon. Another one her arm is all black and blue and silver and red, and she almost died a couple of times. She's used to it by now, she says. But she took that cobra, the one she had, and smacked it on the head till it hissed at her. Because she thought that would be funny. No wonder why she gets bit. So, yes, <laughs> I almost had a cobra bite me. And I'm quite sure it would have been the end of me. Oh, I mean, with with things like that, when, you, when you're with your film crew and you travel to remote parts of the world, I mean, is there anything that you're afraid of? Well, you know, I've never turned down a challenge or a drink. I, I think you kind of get into the moment of things, right? And yeah. you just say, let's do it. Because we're here... And let's do it. Although I do have a speed bump phobia, but I'm slowly getting over it. Really? Nothing? <laughs> Crickets? Nothing? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm, 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 I'm getting a fear of the elevator, but I'm taking the steps to avoid it. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, let Nothing. me ask you this, because okay. I know that uh, recently you have been uh, dealing with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um but I've also read too that um, you you basically said it it's uh, it's just a speed bump. 
in life. And you are going forward to live life with gusto. This is true. Uh, all jokes aside, when I was diagnosed with non Hodgkin's lymphoma, I had a choice. Either keep living with it or stop my entire life and uh, go through all the process necessary to get healthy again. So we practiced what's called benign neglect. We just kept an eye on it. I kept filming that season of Booze Traveler and the very next one before it got to a point where I had to go through chemo. But at the time, I said, this is not a wall. It's just a bump in the road. So I'm going to deal with it and then get over it and get on with my life. And I tried to maintain a very positive attitude. Hopefully, my story inspired others. We did a, an exclusive in Us Weekly just to break the story before somebody else took a picture of me going through chemo and posted it on social media. And yeah. you wouldn't believe all the wonderful stories I got back, how it inspired them that someone like me would admit to this and help other people uh, going through it. So I have a, a whole lot of cancer buddies now, and we speak all the time uh, about what they're going through or what their family members are going through. And it's been so rewarding. I, I, I would never recommend getting cancer, but I, I'm so blessed to be able to get it this way, to get it, to get over it, to deal with it, to be okay, and to inspire others. It's been well, wonderful. let me ask you this: What was the doctor's what was the doctor's uh, thought process when you were going to wait to do treatment, or did the doctor say did he treat it with a wait and see attitude? Yeah, you know, he gave me an option because some people get afraid of the doctor, and of course, you know, I, I can understand that. Some people, as soon as they get diagnosed with cancer, they get nervous and say, get it out of my body right away. But with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, low-grade lymphoma, moves very slowly. The, the life expectancy is the same either way. If you eradicate it right away, or if you keep an eye on it and see if you uh, become symptomatic. And at the time, because we found it by accident, I wasn't really symptomatic. It, it had been there for a while, and it, was, um, it had grown quite a bit, but it's I was good. I wasn't getting sick a lot or anything like that. So we just kept an eye on it, as uh, as the doctor called it, benign neglect. And then when it got to the point where we had to do something, then we did. So that was better for us because we were still filming the show. I still got to live my life. And uh, I didn't use fear to make decisions. I just said, this is what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to get over this. I'm going to deal with it the best way possible with doctor supervision. And that's exactly what we did. I love the attitude, Jack. I love the attitude. And I think the biggest thing for a lot of cancer patients out there and for all of you listening to the program right now, don't let fear uh, dictate to you in making possible um, you know, wrong decisions. But at the same time, don't let fear be the end all be all because you know we need to have a positive attitude and the thing is is having a positive attitude has brought healing to more people's bodies than anything that i know of and i love the fact that you are staying positive and uh, you know it, it amazes me because you said you they found it by accident and uh so why do you so what was the reason that you had gone to the doctor if you don't mind me asking and then they just found it yeah, no, I don't mind at all. I was going in for a, a routine heart check. And so they took a scan 
And at the very bottom of the frame, uh, right at my the beginning of my uh, abdomen, my solar plexus, I guess, they found a blip that shouldn't be there. So they called me in and said, can we do, this is uh, very abnormal. Can we please do a scan of your abdomen? Get here right away. So we did, and it was just loaded with cancer. And it attacks the lymph nodes. It's a blood disease, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, my lymph nodes were, uh, they accepted at about a centimeter. And I had one cluster that was nine and a half. And it was uh, very unusual and not healthy. But at the same time, I was living fine with it. So the doctor said, here, here are your options. And that way you don't freak out because I said, ex I wanted to know exactly what it was from a medical standpoint. And I didn't want to make a rash decision. Either way, I didn't freak out and say, get this out of my body right now. I said, what are the options? And I made a very measured, uh, uh, took my time and, and thought it out and said, okay, these are my options. And hopefully, I made the right one, and I think I did, and we're dealing with it right now, and I'm fine. And we, everyone was very surprised. I didn't lose my hair. I didn't get sick. I didn't throw up once. And the nurses, and especially my oncology nurse, she said, how do you do it? How did you not lose your hair? How did you not throw up? All of this. And I don't know. I, but I, I don't know. I got lucky, but I do know having a positive attitude really helps. I mean, it really does. I know people think it's just... Uh, a conceit. It's just a an anthem or a slogan to say think positive. But I really believe if you do that, so much is connected: your mind, body, soul, spirit, everything. And and when it's in alignment, and when you are thinking wonderful, good, positive thoughts, good things happen. And I think I'm proof of that. I completely agree with that. And and I think you know, positive is not a placebo. It's something that we need to do and be every single day, uh, you know, if we're going through cancer or not. Now, you are still going through treatment. Is that correct? I am. I went through the main chemo treatment, and now I go one day every two months for two years. Because with non-Hodgkin's, when it comes back, it does quite a bit of damage. As we all know, Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft with Bill Gates, just passed away at the age of 65 from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and complications thereof. And he had just about all the money in the world and couldn't save his own life. And I don't know the details, so I don't want to speak on them. It's a sad thing that we lost him. But when you see something like that, you say, okay, I got to make sure this doesn't come back because I'd like to live. I'm having a good time here so far. Well, yeah. Well, let, let's let's go. Let's focus on the, the the living part. So what are some of the lessons you've learned from your worldly travels? Lessons. Less, well, you know, other than, of course, that we, we're really so much more, we have so much more in common than we do differences. I just think, I, you know, I, I'll give you a story. I was in South Africa, and we were with the Zulu tribe, and, and some of these people live in just horrible conditions, as far as America goes anyway, in comparison to, and there was a little boy, and he was about five or six, and he had his dog, and he had this this almost flat soccer ball that he was holding under his arm and we were speaking through an interpreter and at the end I, I went to hand him some money it was probably $20 US their money is the rand of course so it was about 20 bucks I guess and the, the little boy said to the interpreter tell the nice man thank you but I have my dog and my ball I don't need anything wow 
Like that that's real. Touch you. I don't know what does. That that's so profound. I, 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 it really is. And and if I can learn from a six year old who has nothing, lives in squalid conditions, probably doesn't eat on a regular basis, but is grateful for what he has, I think that's probably the deepest lesson I learned was no matter what, we have gifts and you just have to know where to look for them and to be grateful for what you have no matter what. So if you start every day with gratitude, that not only helps you, like you say, whether it's a placebo or not, it's it's, it's a thing we should live with. But it's hard to do that. If, you do, if you're not grateful, I think it's hard to understand. So I'm, I'm lucky that I understand what gratitude is and going around the world and seeing people from all walks of life and see how so many of them are grateful for no matter what they have. They're grateful to be alive. What a lesson that is, huh? I love that. I love that. Now, I understand that uh, you have worked on stage with Al Pacino. What was that all about? Wow, that was uh, that was amazing. I, I did a play written by Oscar Wilde called Salome, and I was lucky enough to be chosen to share the stage with maybe our greatest living actor. I don't I don't know how else to say it. Uh, and it was just such a wonderful experience. Also, Jessica Chastain was in that. Wow. And uh, we did this in L.A. Um, a while back. And just, just to be able to watch the man work and see how he does and see how open and vulnerable and honest he is when he works. It was a great lesson. And I just I was just in awe every single day watching him do what he does. Because being on stage with him would be different than being in a in a movie with him where you just say he went that away or something. You have a small part in the movie. You don't get to see his process. So I was with him for weeks and weeks as he was rehearsing and trying different things. And he, the man has no fear. He just tries everything and then he either discards it or keeps it. And he's been doing this play forever. So I give him credit for, for looking at it in a fresh new way. And uh, just being with yeah. him, just understanding, uh, you know, how he works was just amazing to me. And we also shot it as a movie afterwards called Wild Salome. It's kind of a documentary about the making of the play. Uh, and it was just amazing. Honestly, yeah, that yeah, period think, of time was my, my most gratifying acting experience, for sure. Well, you uh, do you have any acting in your future? Yeah, you know, I started as an actor before I did Booze Traveler, where I'm not acting at all, I'm being myself and seeing the world. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I, if I have. Who knows what the future holds? <laughs> I know that every day I wake up, with cancer or not, I'm happy to be alive, and I'll attack the day that way, and we'll see what happens. Well, now, I understand that you have a podcast called I Don't Drink Alone. What is that about? I do, and and actually, that it's on that same theme. Uh, I Don't Drink Alone means if, you know, whatever it is you're doing, really, whether it's a drink, a meal, a hike, traveling somewhere, it's best to do it with someone else. And I mean that uh, in the most sincere way possible, not that I haven't had a drink alone certainly i have and i will again i'm sure but something you love to share that with someone else it's just such a greater experience because it's not about the thing the object the food or the drink whatever it is it's really about reaching out to others and having a shared human experience because my greatest times around the world we're not seeing the eiffel tower or the london dungeon big ben the pyramids. No, it was my, when I came back, people asked me about my memories and the greatest times. It was about the people. It didn't matter where we were in the Gobi desert with Mongolian nomads 
or Maasai warriors in Tanzania or in Siberia, where it's 30 or 40, 50 below. It's the people and the interactions we had that I'll always remember. And that, that's, that, that drives me now because all of these memories, and I'm just so grateful for all of them. I mean, I don't mean to sound like I'm some positive self-help guru, but I just think if you look at life that way, it just becomes better. Well, the, the great thing is, is you have traveled all over the world. You have sat down with so many different cultures. You're able to have interactions with people that a lot of us will never have interactions with. And you get to really see life up close and personal with all of these different types of people. And it all comes down to one thing. All our blood is the same color. We may look different on the outside. We may speak differently from one another. But in the end, we're all human beings, and we can learn from one another. We can share stories with one another, and in the end, we can love one another. And I, I think your story is fantastic. I think your story is a great inspiration to many. Thank you. And, and the last thing you said to me is the most important. We should all love one another. Let's not focus on how different we are. Right now, of course, politics, we're very divided. People are losing friendships they've had for years over politics. Let's focus on what we have in common and, and, and reach across the table or the aisle, reach across whatever it is and say, hey, let's have a drink together and work it out or talk or share an experience. Even if it's just sitting down, watching the sunset over a glass of wine, because in the end, when we're gone, none of that's going to matter. So if we love each other and we make it a better place to live, isn't that a good thing? It's a great thing. And it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it starts with one person at a time. And that person is us. And like Jack and I agree together, we need to love one another. We need to respect one another and learn from one another. Jack, this has been a great interview. I have enjoyed it so much. I can't wait to have you back, uh, to share more of your stories and, uh, even your wisdom, um, for that matter. So, uh, thank you so much. <laughs> I don't know how wise I am, but it's been a blast <laughs> and I look forward to it. Thank you uh, so for having me. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of life changing wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at radiomd.com slash Dr. Bond. And if I can ask you a favor, Please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. Thank you for doing that for me as I want to bring you the best show possible. And now you can download our show on Spotify. Just look up Dr. Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. You can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. And again, thank you for listening to Life-Changing Wellness. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. And have a blessed day, everyone.